everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. I am your host, Brandon, and uh, somewhere way off to my right, uh, you know, another side of town, but still technically to my right, is Paul. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Mellow greetings. I'm here again for another episode. Unfortunately, Dan's not with it here today, but we're going to have him in spirit, so let's get it going. Well, that makes it sound like a lot worse than it really is. Like, he's here in spirit. Hey! <laughs> He's just, he just can't make it today, I'm just, that's all. I'm just saying, hey, no, hold on. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm going to over here. It's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's not that bad. He, he didn't clarify, but oh Jesus. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was just saying, all, all, all his good vibes are going to miss. That's what I'm yeah. trying, trying to say, all his good energy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What a great intro. Wow. <laughs> Kicking this one off right. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah today we're covering season one episode 19 entitled tomorrow is yesterday and the original air date for this was january 26th 1967 which is actually kind of important given the uh the events of the episode but this one starts not with the enterprise orbiting a planet but with a shot of a u.s air force jet maneuvering on an airfield which would that really threw me off i thought maybe i was like watching the wrong thing like did something queue up incorrectly on paramount yeah i thought it was like almost like a uh an old commercial or something for a minute i don't know why yeah i was real confused but there is a man at this uh u.s base named uh, webb and he's monitoring a radar and he reports to his captain that he has a large blip on his radar screen so the captain asks him how the craft approached, and Webb says that there was no approach. It just kind of appeared there. And the captain calls air defense, thinking that it might be a UFO, which I don't know if, like, I think they're using UFO throughout this episode just as, like, literally an unidentified flying object. Like, it's something flying. Yes. They don't know what it is and not, like, an alien. I assume this came out around the Roswell time, right? So maybe it may have been the idea of an alien. I'm not sure. When was the the Roswell thing? I'm not sure. I thought six late 50s, 60s, right? I'm not sure. Um, actually, let's go ahead. Uh, oh, that was in 47, apparently. So this is uh, oh. yeah, 20 years after that. So I'm assuming that, but the term UFO normally means alien after after that moment. Yeah, like that, every time that you say the term UFO, people think alien. So yeah, uh, but at this point, like I'm already into this episode. When I was watching it the other day, I was like, yeah, like I, mm-hmm. I this is it's so different already that I was pretty into it. Yep. So. We get some jets scrambling, and then we cut to a shot of the Enterprise just flying through, like, regular sky, which was really, really weird to see as well. Re- really odd, yeah. It was, And I think it's because it was a nice blue sky instead of a night sky. Yeah. Some, like, if it had been a night sky, it wouldn't be that awkward. But, yeah, that really blue sky. It was First of all, it was kind of hard to see, too, because the color of the Enterprise kind of matched the clouds, too. It was, right. It was weird. I wonder, like, if the Enterprise is rated for flying within atmospheres. Like, if they ever planned on it to actually, you know, enter an atmosphere like that? Because I would think that if most ships at that time are just built for, you know, withstanding zero atmospheres of space, but apparently they, you know, they thought ahead of time. Do they land? Yeah. Have we seen any ships land yet? We we have not. No, just the, uh, the Galileo, uh, the shuttle. It's always, it's always the small shuttles that land instead of the big ship. Yeah. Or they beam. Yeah. Most of the time they just beam down to the planet. Oh, keep tracking that. I never thought about that. Yeah, so we get the show opening, and then we come back to a captain's log from Kirk, which is actually one of the most useful ones we've had this series, because we have no fucking clue what's happening, like why, you know, if we're starting with <laughs> the U.S. military and why they're, you know, basically at Earth. So the log just explains that they were on a, on route to Starbase 9 for a resupply when uh, 
a black star with a high gravitational attraction dragged them towards the star. And so they used all their warp power in reverse. But when they broke away, they were sent flying through space like a slingshot. So it was like a sling or like a rubber band, I think is how he Kirk describes it. And then they just found themselves where they are now, which I, I would have said when, but you know. The, my thing is, um, uh, they said black star and not black hole. I find that kind of interesting. Yeah, just black like, star. Like, yeah, I don't know if the when the term, when the term black hole started using it often for that. I'm curious. Uh, actually, that was going to be one of the things I was going to say for the end, but since we're touching on that now, uh, the trivia for this episode says that later in 1967, uh, physicist John Archibald Wheeler would popularize the term black hole to refer to the phenomenon that Kirk describes as a black star. So, ah, okay. I, I just asked the question. There we go. Thanks, brother. I yeah. know that. I was curious. Yep. So they just called it black star because they didn't know what to call it yet. Oh. Yeah. So uh, during this narration, like during the captain's log, we get some shots of Kirk and the crew. And they're on like a, a really like darkened bridge. Like all the lights are out. And they're getting up off the floor and they're getting back to their stations. They had obviously just been thrown around. And Spock then explains that they're running just on impulse power and the auxiliary power should be on pretty soon. And then he helps Uhura off the floor as the power comes back on and like helps her get back to her station. So Kirk is addressing the entire ship and orders them to do damage control on all the decks. And he wants them to report any casualties and their operational readiness. And I'm like, man, we're probably going to have to add a lot to the casualty count for like they were thrown so hard they went backwards in time yeah and i also i said oh ca- he making announcements again Uh oh like, right that, that's rare yeah, yeah like oh, i know we just had some going on guys here you go here's what's going on like he actually said something which was kind of a thing for, finally yeah another one of those instances where it sucks to be anybody not in the bridge because they just have no fucking clue what's happening yeah so kirk uh, asks uhura to contact starfleet and warn him about the position of the black star and Spock then uh, tells Kirk that the crew is reporting that there were only minor injuries, so no casualties, which is insane. Like, nobody hit their head on the wall or something. Shocking. He goes on to say that the warp engines are non-operational and that Scotty has overridden the helm and is holding them in an orbit on impulse power. Spock also says he believes that when they broke free from the Black Star that they were thrown towards Earth because that's the direction that they were headed. So he, he thinks that maybe, you know, that's why they're where they are. And so they put uh, the outside view of the the big screen on in front of them on the bridge, and they see just like regular ground below them, like you know just Earth. And Spock says that they have enough of power to escape, uh, to achieve escape velocity, so they can you know start climbing a little bit because they were actually fairly close to the ground, like just regular airplane yeah. height. That's so, kind of weird too. Yeah. So Kirk orders Sulu to gain altitude, and Sulu's like, "Hey, you know the." Helm isn't responding correctly. And then Uhuru reports that she can't get through to Starfleet, but she's picking up another signal. So they listen to the signal, and it's just a regular like radio broadcast talking about the upcoming space mission to put men on the moon for the first time. So that's what I figured where, you know, they got thrown back to around 1969, which is... Okay. It's funny because that's literally just two years after they filmed this. <laughs> like yeah. they, they basically they, like they went two years back in time so they didn't have to do much like guessing or anything guessing what was going on it was kind of just they make make yesterday pretty much yep so kirk mentions the time period of the moon landing and and spock says that the whiplash from pulling away from the star put them into a time warp and sent them backwards in time so that's how they got where they are which actually it's it's pretty crazy because another thing from the trivia was that you know kirk mentioned the moon landing thing and obviously that wouldn't happen for another two years in real life 
And I guess that this was the first prediction of the correct decade of that accomplishment in a major science fiction work. So they oh, they got so it closer just, than anybody oh, else. Gets, okay, see, and that was my thing about the moon. Ch- I thought it was a re- reference to something real. Now you're saying that. I thought, oh, okay, they made something up. And then later on, they got to the moon. Yeah, I guess the previous uh, closest guesses in uh, motion pictures and television, most of the people around that time put the lunar mission sometime in the 70s at the earliest. So for Star Trek, they were just like, yeah, you know, it's it's within the next couple of years. And then they were right, which is pretty crazy. That's really cool. Yeah, so uh, Uhura picks up transmissions from the U.S. military, and Spock confirms that there's an, an aircraft closing in on them. So Kirk wants to put some distance between them and the jet, but the, the jet just stays with them because, you know, they scramble a jet and it's checking everything out. The pilot of the jet gets a visual contact with the Enterprise and describes it to his commanding officer while the crew of the Enterprise is listening in on these comms. So they're like, you know, what? this is pretty crazy. We got this dude chasing us. We don't really know what to do. So the pilot gets orders to close in on the Enterprise and they either force it to land or disable it. And Spock warns about the jet's weaponry. He says that they have nuclear capabilities and that it would do some pretty good damage to their ship. Yeah, I, I imagine that that thing's not rated for nuclear blasts, although it did pretty well in the... I, I thought it would be. I thought since whatever they use now is has uh, not, that time has to be so much stronger that nuclear bombs should be nothing to them. Yeah, if you if like, it survived that blast from their encounter with the Romulans, that was an old nuclear yeah. warhead. So it would basically but, be this. But maybe it shows aren't working hundred percent because the whole whatever happened with the Black Star thing. Yeah, maybe. they are just basically on uh, backup power. So the the one thing I found really interesting was the idea of a jet versus. The Enterprise. Yeah, I feel like the the Jets got the advantage. I, I feel like that would have been a very interesting, um, a uh, very interesting episode. More than what happened, right? Like the whole idea of uh, regular ships against the Enterprise and Kurt trying the best not to, to stop the situation, to stop them without without killing them or killing anybody on the ship. That sounds like a really interesting episode to me. That that they, a, a lot a lot of good thing they could they could have made a little bit better because that whole dynamic is really cool. I feel like if it was going to be just a fight to the death, I, I'm I'm torn between because the jets got the maneuverability, right? Because the Enterprise uh-huh. is not meant to maneuver in that kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But the Enterprise definitely has some good weapons. And they ha- obviously, as we're about to find out, they have a tractor beam, which isn't even meant to be a weapon that apparently can be used as a weapon. So I don't know, mm-hmm. man. I think if the, uh, if the jet can stay mobile and just be fast, I bet it could take out the Enterprise in this situation. Well, the thing is, I don't know how strong the Enterprise's um, shields are right now, but the bigger thing is the Enterprise is caring about saving life. Right. The jet is thinking about just destro- destroying. Right. So I'm assuming the jet would do something crazy to try to kill him rather than uh, Kurt holding back because he's trying to protect life over winning. Yeah. So it, 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 it just sounds interesting. I thought it would have been part of the episode, a little more episode. I think it would have been cool. And can you imagine how crazy it is for this pilot to see something that's basically the size of an aircraft carrier just flying around up in the well, sky? But that's my issue, though. You you, you can't tell that. Like, yeah, until like, you get close to the, it. The Enterprise's um Enterprise's idea, or whatever. But it's like they never put in scale the shit a jet compared to that damn uh, Enterprise. Right. Like they, like it doesn't never it never looks menacing. Like the only time I ever seen that is one episode where the. Uh, the the one where he was going out to the ship and he got closer, 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 realized the ship was like as big as the sun. Yeah. And he got close to it. Like that or big as a planet. Those, I've seen them moments like that. But we never see a good idea of the area of a regular ship to the Enterprise. They almost look the same size all the time when they're not. 
and I think it's a it's a scale issue on the show's end, not showing how huge the Enterprise is. So we always think they didn't have all the stuff in there that it does. Yeah, you're right. They never do really give you a sense of scale for the Enterprise. This would have been a really good opportunity to do that in this episode, since they have all this military stuff. Which I mean, obviously, yeah. they probably couldn't get an aircraft carrier, but they could have done a model, like maybe just have mm-hmm. it fly close to one or something just so you get an idea it's kind of a, a really big missed opportunity because you're right we have no yeah. clue scale wise how big this thing is yeah yeah, yeah. we know because we did research whatever yeah because like we looked it up yeah. Whatever. yeah but like in, while you're watching the show whatever they keep showing all these areas in the ship but they're not showing how huge the ship is compared to anything else that we can reference so it's just kind of weird yeah so we don't we don't so, you know, they said the bowling alley, all stuff, you can name all stuff inside the ship. I'm like, where's it fit at? I don't understand. Because it, it doesn't seem as big as it is. Right. And we only ever get to see a small piece of it. Usually it's the bridge, the corridor, and somebody's yep. quarters. I think we saw an exercise yep. room once. Yep. So I think that's one of the big issues. Yeah. So Kirk calls uh, Scotty to use the tractor beam to hold the jet in place. And Spock says that he thinks the jet might be a little too fragile for that. Because he thinks that the jet just will break apart in the tractor beam. But they go ahead and try it anyway, and the jet starts breaking up. So Spock, right again, as usual. So Kirk orders (laughs) the transporter room to try to beam the jet's pilot aboard, and then they do. And when he comes on here, he's like when he beams in, he's just standing with his back to them. But shouldn't he have been in a seated position because he was beamed sitting down in the jet? Yeah, you know, that's one of the weird things. Everybody's always standing up. Nobody's ever beamed like a, a weird way. Yeah. That'll be interesting if we ever see somebody get beamed and they're like flo- floating and they or like fall down or something. Right, I'll we do that. Be hilarious. Like, gra- yeah, we haven't seen anybody like gravity or gravity affect anybody in transport yet. Yeah, and this also shows because I don't know how fast a jet goes. I, I know it goes, you know, really fast, but mm-hmm. they can somehow lock onto this guy and beam him up when they've had issues in the past of locking onto their own people who don't have communicators, and they have that issue again later. Not to get too far ahead, but they just lock onto this guy and beam him up while he's flying really, really fast in the jet. And then sometimes they just can't oh. find their own people sitting on a planet, which is really weird. So, so it's more of the reference of how, how accurate the, uh, the transportation is to you because sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. And it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know their communicators also, I, I pronounce that really weird. <laughs> I know their communicators also double as a device for them to lock onto, to show where yeah. the person is that you're going to be beaming up, which is really useful, mm-hmm. but, Apparently they don't need that and <laughs> just Oh they they need that they didn't have to get him out that ship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So Kirk goes to the transporter room and he meets the pilot and welcomes welcomes him to the Enterprise and the pilot introduces himself as Captain John Christopher and he gives his serial number as you know they do in the military when they get captured. And Kirk just tells him to relax and introduces himself. And we get that weird um like the evil or angry face lighting on Kirk here. And I, I don't understand the context that, of that. So, so yeah, they, they did it wrong. They, 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 it was bad lighting, really bad lighting. And also his face just looks weird. Yeah. Like, and he's over, he's over inviting too early. Plus I have an issue here. Where is security, bro? Right. Nobody bothered. <laughs> he didn't bother to call security. You, this guy, you, you transported him. Maybe he's a Navy seal. Maybe he's a badass ninja. <laughs> I don't know. You just transported him. Why ain't security there? But you hurt. You're the cat, bro. That's Captain Kirk by himself in there. Yeah. He put a lot of faith in this dude and like just not getting he, attacked by this guy. They just kidnapped yeah, out of the air. 
don't, I don't even know if the Energizer person's still in there. The, whoever the Energizer captain person is, does that? I don't know if they're still in there. It's just him and this dude by himself. You're the captain. You just met him two seconds ago. Yeah. I'm not. Come on, Kurt. You're smarter than that. Maybe he just. Maybe he's so smart that he knows security is worthless anyway. So he just says, <laughs> "Fuck it, I'll handle it myself." Hey, this time they just, just should have been there. Like, they like, just. They gave you know, up on security. You know, ten episodes ago. Like, say, there have been a few it, times when they needed him and just didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Kirk apologizes to John Christopher for breaking the jet apart, and he gets a call from Spock that says that the jet has completely broken up. So that, that's the end of that thing. And Kirk leads John out of the transporter room and through the corridor where it's just a really weird scene where a female crew member walks by and says good morning, and John is really, really confused just seeing a woman there, and Kirk explains, oh yeah, she's just part of our crew. And I get that, you know, at this time women weren't allowed in the military, but like he was just so flabbergasted by this. Like it, it was almost like he'd never seen a woman. Not that he'd never seen like yeah. a woman in the military, but he's just never seen a woman at all. You know, yeah. Yeah, like if you make a comment like her being hot or something or she attractive or something like that, it'd have been different, but mm. Yeah, I thought at, at first that he was, you know, distracted by the fact that she was good looking, but then Kirk makes the explanation that yeah, she's part of our crew. And I was like, Oh, he was just surprised that she was in the military. Yeah. Very, very, I mean, it's very sexist. Yeah. But, you know, it's the 60s, so they can get away with it back then. Yeah. So they take the elevator to the bridge, and, you know, they make a little bit of small talk about the ship, and Kirk explains mm. that they're a combined military service under the United Earth Space Probe Agency, which I thought they would have had a really cool acronym, but they don't. It's just like, WISPA, <laughs> if you wanted to say it. <laughs> he should have said something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kirk explains that they're from the future, and John takes it really fucking well. He's just like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. He's like, yeah, we, I can't deny, you know, that that you're here with your ship, which, okay. I just, he's just, he's, he doesn't argue at all. He's accepted, he's accepted a little too fast. Yeah. yeah. Like, Yo, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, so what, when am I now? What, what, you from what now? Quit lying. Yeah. He's like, just, like, just I, completely I, like, I know I've been, I, like, I know I've been transported, but <laughs> well, that's step one. That's kind of weird. You know, I know, I know I see this ship, that's kind of weird, but he still had to do a little bit more to convince me. But I mean, maybe after the tram, the transportation thing on the ship, he just kind of assumed the future is what it was. Right. Which is, yeah, it's just, it's really weird. But they reach the bridge as John is saying that he's never believed in little green men. And Spock chimes in when they get there and he says, well, I don't believe in them either. And this is where John has a problem is he sees Spock and he just like freezes and just gives him like this weird look. And so Kirk just is just like, hey, take a look around the bridge. You know, don't touch anything. And I'm, I'm going to go over here and talk to my friend, which he's just he was so surprised yeah. by Spock. Like, it's, it's he's literally just a guy with pointed ears and weird eyebrows. It's not that crazy. Okay, it, it, It's funny you mention that because I wrote something out about the elf ears. I thought about it. Do you ever look at people's ears when you talk to them? And would you even notice if they had pointy ears? I tend to not pay attention. And I assume most people don't either because my ears have a pretty good point to them off to the side and nobody ever says anything about it or maybe they're just being polite yeah so when when he, the so when people see uh spock i i, I kind of had this moment today clarity i don't understand their offness about him when he looks so humanoid it, even his eyebrows aren't even that weird yeah it's just his ears and i don't even i don't even look at ears when i talk to people i've never looked at anybody's ear that's weird the eyebrows are 100 percent the first thing i would notice is first of okay. all okay first of all he's tall 
And then I would go, what the fuck yeah. are those eyebrows? And then I would go, that haircut's kind of <laughs> weird. And then maybe I'd notice his ears. Yeah, but think about his eyebrows, though. Like, oh, chicks wear crazy eyebrows all the time. I'd be like, oh, crazy yeah. eyebrows. I'll let it go. You know, I was still, th- I was still, go- maybe he has a face deformity. Like, I-, I was still not even thinking about alien. Even his weird ears. Like, oh, maybe his ears are just weird. Like, even though he's this, people look at him in this weird way. I'm like, he doesn't seem that alien to me at all. No. Like, it's not like he's a different color or nothing right. like that, or like green or blue. Yeah, or he doesn't have it's tentacles. Just, yeah. So, like, like the initial reaction when they see him, they are that thrown off to like you look so so weird and so different. I'm like, I don't see what they're seeing. Right. So it's just it's one of those things, man. Hearing you say that though, I desperately hope that within the next few years, the trend for women is to have Vulcan eyebrows. That would be hilarious. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be crazy. That's got to be the next big oh. trend, right? <laughs> it's oh, Vul- yeah. and, and, and haircuts. Yeah, yeah. They call it the Spocks or something. Like, yeah. Oh, you got the Spock. <laughs> look at the Spocks. Get oh, your Spock on, girl. <laughs> Get your Spock on, girl. Who's Spock? I don't know. <laughs> She's like, logically. <laughs> so who's Spock? I don't know who yeah, Spock is. Fucking no. <laughs> no, no. My boyfriend says somebody. Oh, my God. The Spock. Yeah, so oh, the Spock. Kirk uh, and Spock, they go off to the side, have a little conversation about how they've achieved stable orbit, and the deflector shields are now working, which should stop them from being picked up as a UFO again. So I guess that blocks them from being seen on a pretty uh, primitive by comparison radar i'm assuming yeah and scott says or spock says that scotty wants to talk to him about the engines so spock just wants to talk about john here for a second and so they go even further to the other side of the room and spock says that they can't return john back to earth because he already knows too much about them and that he's learning a lot more you know as they speak so he worries that if a person learned about the future, that they could use that to their advantage somehow, like changing things like stocks or or even other nations and changing the course of the future, which could stop them from ever existing, which is well, a pretty is legitimate. So, like, it is like right. it is so Spock. When Spock said that, I thought, oh, thank you, Spock, because I was thinking it already because I know what time things going on about Spock said, I'm like, it all makes sense. Listen to Spock this time. Right. Like, don't even question him. But that shows that they also believe in the one single timeline time travel theory and not the branching yeah. one where them going back in time didn't alter the other one. It just made a branch and started a whole new the, the one. Branch. Yeah. So they, they subscribe to the single timeline theory. Well, and then I wonder when did the multi-timeline theory even start in the first place? Like, was it something that reference uh, in a book or back in the days or recently? I don't really know how that really goes. I'm just curious about when certain things popped up. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too sure about when the, the branching timeline thing popped up. Yeah. I'm curious. So, Kirk gets a little pissy and tells Spock that his logic can be annoying, and he offers John a change of clothes to get him out of the flight suit that he's in, saying that he wants him to, or he wants to meet him and Spock in his quarters after he gets changed. So a little later, Kirk starts a recording, and he starts recording a captain's log as John and Spock enter the room, and we get a really weird scene where the computer acknowledges Kirk's log recording and says, "Computer recorded, dear." Like it's yeah, it's like this kind of sultry <laughs> voice. Yeah, it's definitely a little suspect. Yeah, and Kirk tells the computer not to address him in that manner, and the computer says, "Computed, dear." <laughs> At this point, I was <laughs> I was really fucking confused because this episode started off pretty seriously, and yeah. and was set to go that route, and then they throw this in, and it was just it was just so Awkward. yeah, it was it was out of place. I felt like. Like they could have made it like a basic robot voice that was just so like, like blah, 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 blah. you know, it's like oh, it's not working right now. It's going to the basic primitive version or something instead of what they did. Yeah. And so a lot of Texas thing going on, man. Yeah. 1960s, they can go like, with a lot of crap. <laughs> 
So Spock says that in order to correct the ship's computer, it's going to require an overhaul of the entire computer system, taking at least three weeks at a, sp- a star base. And Kirk says that he wouldn't mind it too much if it wasn't so affectionate. And Spock says that it also has a, an unfortunate tendency to giggle. <laughs> it's just a weird, really weird problem that they're having. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, bro. It's just it, it, the hidden, the hidden underneath it, bro. You can't, you can't say that nowadays. <laughs> but you can't say that. John Christopher laughs at this, and he asks if a female computer is normal, and Spock explains that they went to a place called Signet 14 for repairs and maintenance, but the planet is dominated by women, and the women felt that the computer lacked a personality, so they gave it one, and that's just the one that they gave it. Which, why didn't we get that adventure? Yeah, 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 yeah. I put in quotations, uh, Signet 14, planet for me. Wow, yeah. look at that. <laughs> just all women. <laughs> it's dominated by women? I'm, I'm here, ladies. I'm here for you. Oh, man. I, I don't know what's going on there, but I do know that that's where I want to be. Apparently, they have the best parties. Yeah. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I heard. They have the best parties over at Cedar 14. Yeah. So, John laughs at that, and, and he says that uh, they have some pretty interesting problems and that he'd love to stay around to see how it works, but, uh, you know, he can't. He's got to go home. But Kirk tells him that he's going to have to stick around because they can't send him back to Earth. And he goes on to explain why they can't send him back. And so John argues that his disappearance would also change something, which is a really fair point. Which is, so I never thought about it until you said it. Yeah, like obviously plucking this guy out of the timeline is also going to change the timeline. Yeah, but I but I think he said something about his, um, his insignificance or whatever. Yeah, uh, Spock says that he's checked all the historical tapes and they show no relevant contribution by John Christopher. And I was like, damn, that is, oh, yes. you're just fucking telling <laughs> yeah. him he's worthless right there. Dude, Spock, he's like, you Spock, know, you don't ever do anything important with your life. Who fucking cares? Spock, yeah, Spock was like, yeah, you eat nothing. Well, you know, I had a small issue here. Why did they give him a, 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 a captain uniform, a uniform? Okay, so what? another thing that's in the trivia that I had pulled out uh, he his tunic that he's given is of a full lieutenant, which is the naval equivalent of his Air Force captain rank. So you're ah, you're asking some good questions that have been answered in the uh, trivia. Uh, so okay, they bas- they okay, basically give I'm him just... a shirt that yeah it gives him his 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 uh, Air Force rank. Oh okay, that's cool. Okay, I, I can accept it now. I just didn't know why why it was an outfit. I thought they could have just put some regular clothes on him or something. Yeah, Kirk seems to just respect him as a member of the military, like basically brothers in arms kind of thing. Yeah, really fast though, like. Kurt's normally a little more cautious than this. Yeah. Like, he's let him, let him tour the bridge, uh, let him walk around uh, without security, uh, all these things or whatever. And unfortunately, to me personally, that just seems like that's not something Kurt would do. Yeah. And it's like just that, asking that, for something fast. to happen, especially after they yeah. tell him that he's worthless and that he can't go anywhere. Yeah. So John starts to argue, you know, because obviously he was just told he never does anything relevant in his life. And he says that it's his job to report what he's seen. And he asked Kirk, you know, what would you do in that situation? So Kirk says that he would report it if he could, but that they can't take the risk. John says that he has a wife and two children. And Kirk just apologizes. He says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, but we still can't send you. And they get interrupted by Scotty, who calls to say that they can re-energize in about four hours and have their engines ready to go. But even if the engines are repaired, they have nowhere to go. So... You know, that's another problem to throw on. Because I, I, to this point, I didn't even think about that. Like, they're getting everything ready to go. Where the fuck are they going to go? Yeah. yeah, like, what? And then what happens if they're stuck? Right. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't know. Where, where would you go? Have you got a new planet? Start a new planet with the 400 people on the ship? I'm supposing? Well, 
I thought, and not to get ahead of ourselves again, but I thought that this is where they were going to use the time travel trick that they learned in the naked time because they they learned how to travel what backwards in time so i had assumed that they could work out how to travel forwards in time and that that was yeah. going to be how they got home but they didn't end up doing that yeah, yeah. I, I remember that now that you mentioned it but was that was that a small jump or was that a big jump uh they made a pretty small jump but i feel like they could have figured it out especially knowing how they figured this one out yeah so after Scotty calls and tells them that they have nowhere to go, John tells them that, hey, you guys are just as much a prisoner in time as I am. And then we go to a commercial break and we come back yep. to another captain's log. Just, you know, Kirk explaining the situation. And Kirk is talking to the computer who continues to call him dear and he still doesn't like it. And he makes a maintenance note to the computer saying that the recording computer has a malfunction and should be either corrected or scrapped. And he tells it to compute the note and the, com- the computer's all sad and it's like, Computed, like a guy in a crying sad tone. Dude, so this is such a messed up episode. <laughs> Honestly, keep that computer. Like, like it's pretty solid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Spock then calls Kirk to tell him that he needs to see him and John immediately. And Kirk calls John, but John doesn't answer. So Kirk is like, "Shit, something's happening." And he calls security to have them go look for him. And I was like, security ain't going to find shit. Like, we, we already <laughs> security, know that. Security is useless. Yeah, we already know In that. The show, we know that, yeah. And we find that out immediately because John is going through some corridors and he just knocks out a security guard and takes his phaser. So <laughs> security is still fucking worthless. <laughs> the security is terrible, man. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, there's they, two they, things they, that they, we can say about pretty much every episode. Spock is always right. Security is always worthless. I mean, these are guys that train all day, every day, and they seem to be uh, trash at their job. Right. Oh, look, look, let's look the other way before we go around the corner. You don't you know understand. So, guys, I played a show while we were talking, okay? Let's know right now. I didn't watch the security thing sitting in. He looked one way while walking around the corner the opposite way. Oh, my gosh, the way these guys move. Dude, that has been their weakness the entire series. They only ever check one way every single (laughs) time. They only look one direction. Yeah, no, what ways at all? So, John gets the uh, the phaser, and he goes to the transporter room and tells the engineer to transport him back to Earth. But Kirk shows up behind him and just pretty effortless, effortlessly knocks him out. Gives him, gives him one two. Yep, gives him the old. At least you know, at least Kirk can fight if the security can't. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the we go to the sick bay where McCoy is monitoring the knocked out John Christopher, and he tells Kirk that John's going to be up pretty soon, and. Kirk and McCoy go and have a little discussion about how they can't send John back, but they also can't get back to the future. And Bones says that after their supplies run out, they're going to have to go back to Earth because there are 430 of them, and that's 430 chances of altering the future, which is a very solid point. When they run out of supplies, they can't just land somewhere and not you know, interact with people in the timeline. Well, when it comes to that though, I didn't, I, I didn't get uh, why they didn't just leave the atmosphere yet. Like I, I don't, I'm forgetting why they weren't. Uh, they were still working on their engines at this point. Okay. Yeah. They had enough to get escape velocity, but really couldn't do too much after that. So they're just kind of repairing their re-energizing and repairing their engines until they figure out what to do. Or I guess while they figure out what to do. But I assume with other Stargate records, I'm sorry, with all their uh, star, uh, map records with planets. I assume they know a planet that's inhabited that's Earth-like somewhere out there, all the places they've been, and I assume they would just take the ship, go there, and then do whatever. I, but I'm, did that I'm stuff guessing? exist in 
1969, though? Because you got to remember they're several hundred years in the future is where they come from. So those things may yeah. not have existed at that time. Which I also wonder if them traveling backwards in time, what if that was what was supposed to happen? What if that always happened and they were supposed to go down there and meddle with stuff because that's just how it worked out the first time, you know? Yeah, that's one of the t- things about time and time time travel. Yeah, you can, uh, you can never know. know if you're doing the right thing. Oh, not at all. So while they're having this discussion, John wakes up as Kirk is telling Bones that even if they took him back, that he'd be useless to their society, meaning he's not, well, okay, he's, Spock already clarified he's useless on Earth, but even if they, they go back to their own time, that he'd be useless he's there. Worse. He's even worse there. Yeah, so fucked up. Like, this poor guy. It's just, you're useless in your time, you're useless in our time. Like, what the fuck do you do? So McCoy suggests that maybe John could be retrained or re-educated, which I think is fair because he's obviously a, a fighter pilot and not everybody is cut out to do that. So he obviously has some skill and is you, you have to be fairly intelligent to do that. So obviously, you know, he could. Yeah, I, I bet he could be retrained for their time. But Kirk is like, well, he could. Could he be trained to forget his family and forget his kids? And so John chimes in at this point and he's like, the answer to that is no. Uh, Spock enters the room at this point and says that he has made an error in his computation. And McCoy makes a joke. He's like, "Well, you know, this is a historical event. Event, you know, like mark this one on the, the calendar. <laughs> Spock's wrong." <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if they actually. I know they have this weird friendship, but at this point, I'm wondering if they've actually just turned to hating each other. <laughs> like, no, they like each other so. I, I feel like everything's done in their friendship is just great. <laughs> Like, like Kurt, like I don't know what what it is about Bones in the spot, but like I can watch a show with just them two. Yeah, like a whole episode, just episode to episode with just them two quipping back and forth the whole episode. I would be laughing because every time they do something, you know, they make me smile a lot. Yeah, it's a really good dynamic that they have. That those two are great together, but I also think that Kirk is great because. Spock is, you know, he's the overly logical guy. McCoy is the overly human guy. And Kirk is a really good mixture of the two who just needs a little bit of advice every now and then. I like that. That's that's smart. That's smart way to describe it. So Spock goes on to say that they have to return John to Earth. And John's like, well, why? If I make no relevant contributions. And Spock says that he forgot to check for possible contributions by offspring. And he finds that John's son is going to, to head the first successful Earth Saturn probe. And John's like, well, I don't have a son. So Kirk is convinced that they need to send him back so that he can eventually have a son to to lead this thing. And and John at this point is just super happy about the thought of having a son. So he's not even really paying attention. He's just like, I have a son. Well, he has two daughters. Yeah. He, he, they had two kids. So unless he was lying in the first place to try to, uh, I got two kids. Like, right. come on, man, you got to send me back. Like, well, we don't, we're not sure about that part, but apparently, just like him, his two daughters are useless and they do nothing for society. So. <laughs> society, just the son. Yep. Of course, the man does it all. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're canceled now. <laughs> it's nice knowing you, everybody. All like twenty people that hear this. Oh man. So, a little bit later in a meeting room, they're talking about how to explain John's reappearance on Earth after his plane crashed in an open section of southern Nebraska. Because can you imagine you're part of the search party and you've, you've looked everywhere and then suddenly he's just there. It's like behind a bush. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure we checked that before, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. So they note that, you know, there are going to be search parties everywhere in the area. And John says that he got he also got some pretty clear pictures of the Enterprise and his command is going to be processing those fairly quickly. So Kirk says that if he remembers his history, things like that were explained by stuff like weather balloons. 
So Spock reminds him that their tractor beam crushed a U.S. Air Force plane, and it's going to be impossible to explain that as anything other than a UFO. So I think there he is actually just talking about aliens. Yeah, it just I'm just curious about um, classplant. I'm trying to think how to word this right. About Kurt's knowledge of the 1960s. He is okay. just a history buff, apparently. Yeah, but I, I find that kind of odd. Yeah, because like that's like 200 years, I believe, if we write in the show, like 200 years. Um, I don't know about what 20 years ago for us, 1917. I don't know a lot about the 1700s. Right. And I, I, I know a little about the early 1900s, like little small things here and there, but the, he seems to know a lot about history. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure if he was a history buff or, or what. Yeah, maybe he just did a shit ton of reading, like between scenes. Yeah, like if like if they had to uh, go to a computer and the computer spit out information, I'm, I might feel like a little bit different by it. But if right. like, he just knows everything, it just makes Kurt seem like Spock like with his knowledge, which is I find not really one of Kurt's uh, big virtues. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, I would have expected this kind of thing from Spock. So Kirk asks if anybody else has any idea about. Uh, how to get back to their own time. And Spock says that in theory, they can reverse what happened to them in the first place using the same means. And Kirk wants to go get the pictures and the radio transmissions so that John just seems like another person that saw a UFO. They're like, we're going to go back and steal any, every evidence of what you had and make you just seem like a crazy fuck who saw an alien ship. Which is something mean, but funny. Yeah. But do what you got to do, sir. Yeah. So John wants to go go, go with them. But, of course, Kirk denies him and says that he doesn't want to risk John's health and his life. And so John then offers to sketch a layout of the base. So we actually cut to the base, and we have Kirk and Sulu beaming down into a hallway, which I was like, fuck yeah, more Sulu time. Because Sulu's really one of my favorite characters of this series. Everything yeah. he, he gets to do, like, he's always super solid. Um, my thing is, uh, when they transported him, do they, do they know there's a body there or not? Are people around or not? Because that's a lucky transport. Right, I was thinking like, the same thing. Guy, the guy just walked past there. They transported immediately. Like, did they have like they can scan who's in that area? Didn't scan somebody there? Or they go transport somebody in the middle of the dining room? Well, like talking about hundred people. Yeah, like, and, I don't. And again, not to jump too far ahead, but later on they can't find Kirk because reasons, I guess. So yeah, if they see, couldn't find yeah. him, then they obviously wouldn't have been able to figure out where everybody is, right? But they, they've also used the ship system to scan an entire planet to find two people in a, a desert portion of it. So I don't know. It, yeah. That's that's a huge uh, risk to just beam somebody down. What if they beam him down inside of the guy that's walking by? <laughs> like, what <if> they... <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how it works. I'm just Yeah, just like works. beam him down into a, a, a wall. Like, that's terrifying. The one thing this whole episode I thought it was super cool was this lock pick. He, he he just uses and yeah. takes a lock with this little thing. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like that's just, that's just simple enough. Yeah. So they're in the hallway. They look around and find this statistical services room, and they unlock the door using that really weird device that just emits a high pitch frequency and somehow opens up the lock. So they go into the room and they find what they say is a primitive computer, and they they just go to work on it. And we come back to the Enterprise where McCoy is pacing the transporter room asking Spock how long Kirk and Sulu have been gone. And Spock is kind of sarcastic and he says that sneaking takes more time than a direct approach. So McCoy gets a little bit annoyed and asks Spock, he's like, well, shouldn't you be working on your time warp calculations instead? And Spock is like, well, I am. And then we get this just like really weird close up of Spock and like some goofy music. I don't know. It's it just a weird, weird. <laughs> weird yeah, it's, it's just a really weird it's thing. It's weird, awkward and... 
I think it's supposed to say that Spock is doing multi- multitasking, doing yeah, he's, he's doing this advanced time. shit in his head. But but but, it, but it's the way they did it, and the weird music they used didn't didn't make it uh, very noticed about what what you were sm- supposed to be smiling about. Right. So we go back to the airbase, and Kirk and Sulu are caught by a guard while they're disassembling this computer, and the computer is just. It's what you think an old computer looks like. It's just a big machine with like big movie looking reels in it, just recording stuff or, or going over stuff. And it's funny yeah. to think that actually our cell phones are, are many hundreds times more powerful than those things are or were, which that's crazy to think about. Which is, yep. I'll, pick up the phone. Like I'm pretty sure my computer is. keyboard is more advanced than that thing was. Oh, probably. Yeah. So the guard wa- walks in and catches them and holds them at gunpoint and demands their belts and that has their phasers on them. And uh, he takes the bag that they had put the computer recordings in. And then we go back to the enterprise again. So a lot of back and forth and McCoy is still super worried about how much time has passed. And Spock this time is like, yeah, I agree. It's been a little bit too long. And they try to contact Kirk. So Kirk's communicator starts beeping and the guard that took it wants to know what that device is. So they play dumb and Kirk's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I didn't hear any noise. Which was really weird, dude. This this episode is full of awkward moments. Awkward, that's awkward too. Yeah. So the the guard then opens the communicator and they hear an emergency signal. And I'm really confused about this because were they broad? Why would they be broadcasting an emergency signal to the person they're trying to get a hold of? Did they like? Did the guard accidentally activate the emergency signal? Is that what happened? They weren't very clear about yeah. it. Yeah, not very clear about a lot of things in this episode. Yeah, I can't imagine Spock's like, let's give him a call, and then he calls him and just fucking beeps at him. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You would think the, the person with the communicator would be the one to send the emergency yeah. signal. And then they transport him, right? And more awkwardness. Yeah. They transport him. He's looking backwards, like the last dude was doing. But he just, or sideways, they kind of just stands there. Yeah, he's like, like frozen. Looking. He don't move. It's almost like he's frozen, but he's not really frozen, but he's just frozen in shock. Right. It's just awkward. Yeah. Like, like no scream, no reaction. Just, I'm so shocked I'm frozen. I ain't moving. Like, oh, you don't see me here? You're in the military, bro, with a gun in your hand. Why don't you point at somebody yelling at somebody? Like, yo, where the hell am I? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just what his whole reaction was just so weird. And the only reaction in that room is Spock raising an eyebrow. Nobody pulls a phaser. Nobody says anything. Yeah. Spock just raises it. Yeah. Which, okay, Nimoy's eyebrow raises are, are fucking amazing, for starters. Yeah. But that's the only <laughs> reaction that they got. It's just him raising an eyebrow. Yeah, like, you know, he has a gun in his hand. You're not worried about nothing? Right. Yeah, he could just turn around just, and start blasting. Yep, exactly. I'm surprised Sulu didn't see that gun and be like, oh, that's, uh, you know, just tell exactly what model it was. <laughs> he wants to add that one to <laughs> his collection. Yeah. I, I got one of those in my collection. So Spock approaches a guard on the transporter and, and raises the eyebrow to him, and Kirk calls the Enterprise using Sulu's communicator to let him know that everything's fine. And, yeah, this is where I have the, the note that the guard is just standing still on the transporter, just making a really weird face. And then I thought that there was... There's a lot of weird comedy for this episode. It's it can't decide if it wants to be serious or funny. That's the awkwardness of it, though. Yeah, it's, it's awkwardness of the episode. It's like it, it, it missed the balance. Yes, there has to be a balance. They went to extreme serious and extreme comedy, up and down. But that's not what you're supposed to do. It's got to be middle ground, a good balance, so it's entertaining while you're doing it. Right, not awkward. Yeah, exactly. So we go to a commercial break, come back, and Spock is giving a captain's log. Just explains the situation with a guard. And on the base, Kirk is talking to Spock about the guard who is still frozen with fear as McCoy takes his gun and the communicator away from him. He's still just holding yeah. that pose. 
apparently I wrote a note down. I forgot to mention it a minute ago. I'm going to say something real quick. Okay, so they go to this planet, right? Do they not study the clothing there? Yeah. And then and then they have things that make clothes. Can they just make the kind of clothes these guys wear when you go to the planet so you don't stick out like a sore thumb? Is that weird to me? But think like that? Do they have the ability to make clothes in this series? Is they can make that? food. They yeah. Can make food. Yeah, we get that. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, food is food is more complex than clothing. Yeah. So I, I I don't know how exactly how it works, but I'm just curious that I haven't seen yet in this show that, that, that they make clothes. And I, so maybe they don't, maybe they can't make clothes. I don't know. But I thought I would think that a spaceship that travels the Earth or world, I'm sorry, universe, going to different planets would have would have a machine to make clothing. So when they go to each planet, they can follow whatever customs and and be able to fit in, so they can uh, make first contact. Uh, things like that. Things I think that would happen. It's weird that they can't make clothes. Yeah, that they decide to go on this sneaking mission in their bright uh, military uniforms is is really well, not weird. The, yeah. Not the sneaking mission. Any mission so far. Yeah, yeah. They show. haven't they haven't changed at all. Yeah, which is uh, it popped in my head when I was watching this. I thought, yo, they don't disguise on. I thought, oh, they never wear anything but what they wear, and I wonder why they don't have something that makes clothing and things so they can fit in better to be able to do things like particularly this right here if they were wearing army clothing they would they could have made it much easier for themselves right make this way easier even in the squire of gothos when they were going to a planet that had a toxic atmosphere and a shit ton of volcanic and tornadic activity they still just went down in their uniform but with like a breathing device (laughs) yeah so like it just doesn't i don't know i just yeah it don't make any sense yeah, so they continue, and Kirk and Sulu continue to remove the computer tapes, and then they exit the room, and they sneak into a photo developing room and enter the dark room to look for the pictures. And I was like, how the fuck does Kirk know what a dark room is? I can't imagine he does much, you know, analog photography on the Enterprise. I imagine everything yeah. they have is digital, but he knows because he knows everything. And they trigger a silent alarm, prompting some guards to head towards their position. They find the photos and the footage that they were looking for uh, just as the guards are entering the room. So Kirk decides to take one to the team and he exits the dark room and closes the door to protect Sulu while Sulu uh, decides to get beamed up to the Enterprise. And Kirk, I like to say, it proceeds to beat the brakes yeah. off of three dudes, dude. Beats he the beats the brakes off of these dudes. Oh my God, Kurt's a beast. Yeah. The whole time I was like, oh, it's like, is it Kurt or John Wick? I don't know. He was beating these dudes. He even got a little fancy and exited the room and jumped up and grabbed yep. the door frame to dodge one of them. Like, he's just in there having a ball. I, 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 I thought he was going to grab it and kick him. I, yeah. When he jumped in, I thought, I thought he was going to grab it and kick him. I said, yo, are you kidding me? Like, it, he just jumped in and jumped. I mean, this whole, this whole scene, this scene almost makes this whole show worth it. Yeah. Because, because that, that, that whole, like, one-minute scene, two-minute scene is so entertaining. Yeah. That I'm like, this is what Star Trek is, and that's what it should be. And this is so fun and amazing. I wish more episodes, most episodes more like this. Yeah, that was like, pretty like solid. This, yeah, I just... And, and not one of those guys pulled a gun and just shot him. They just, they yeah. all take that beaten like champs. <laughs> Until the end, Odin puts the gun at the end. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you have to go the whole time. It is what it is, but I mean, yeah. I, I, I guess you want to go toe-to-toe. I just, it was just entertaining. I liked it a lot. Yeah, so he does eventually get overrun because three-on-one, you know, you're going to you're gonna just get outnumbered. You're outnumbered. You're going to get messed up. So they catch him and they yeah. arrest him. And the, the base's colonel has 
questions about where the other person is that they saw. And Kirk says, no, that was just me. And, you know, do you think that anybody could have left that room and you wouldn't have noticed? And the guy's just like, ah, that's a fair point. Maybe I am crazy and there's just one of you. So on the Enterprise, Scotty calls Spock to tell him that they can fire the engines up at any time. And Spock then tells him, all right, go ahead and do it now and we'll prepare to test our theory later. And Spock notes that for some reason, he's just looking at the uh, the photographs and everything that Sulu brought back. And he's like, this is really poor photography. Like, you fucking photography snob. <laughs> he's like, the angles are all wrong. <laughs> Composition's not great. <laughs> and uh, McCoy, McCoy gets pissed off. He's just, he gets really mad. And he reminds Spock that Kirk is down there alone on the base and he's probably been arrested. And Spock says that he's aware of that. And he calls John Christopher into the briefing room. So back on the base, Kirk is being questioned about how he got onto the base by the colonel. He's just like, hey, how the fuck did you get in here? And Kirk says, well, I just popped in out of thin air, which is not technically a lie, I guess. So the colonel picks up the lockpick device that Kirk was carrying. And Kirk is like, hey, be really careful with that. You know, that could that could kill everybody here. It's it's crazy device. And they they just continue the interrogation and Kirk keeps giving like sarcastic answers to everything the colonel wants to know. And then the colonel threatens to lock him up for 200 years. And Kirk is like, oh, yeah, that'd be about right. And I was just like, man, sarcastic Kirk is fucking weird. Like, I don't like this. This whole scene was awkward for two reasons. First of all, okay, I watch a lot of cop shows. I'm I watch. Why is he a military? Why is he not in handcuffs? Right. We just call him all this crap. Why is he not in handcuffs? And he's out in the damn, uh, he's in the office instead of interrogation room. Yeah. That's like one and two. This whole this whole scene don't work for me. Yeah, especially I'm, after I, he kicked the asses of three of your dudes. You're just going to let him sit in the chair you. casually. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I think for the 1960s or whatever, this coming out after, like, uh, Japanese internment camps and uh, things that in our history, like, this is very mundane for the thing I'm doing with somebody who would break into the mil- a military base. Right. He did it. I assumed he'd be chained up somewhere and he'd be beating the crap out of him. Like, yo, who are <laughs> <Right>. you? <laughs> like, like if that happened, I'd be like, yo, okay, I, I get this now. But it just, they seem super overly friendly instead of instead of the oldest oh, guy. Uh, first of all, we, we're being invaded. Is he from a different country? We don't know. He's a, Is he a spy? All this stuff that they could have went to. And I feel like they just let it go. And yeah. I just... And I did you notice that even after the fight, they they apparently let him fix his hair because his hair got all messed up in the fight. And then when they're doing the interrogation, it's all perfect Kirk hair again. Oh, uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they're on their way to the office and they're like, hey, you want to step into that restroom, maybe fix your hair? And he's like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. So back on the Enterprise, John is telling Spock and the others about what is likely happening to Kirk. And he says that he's not going to help them unless he can go with them to rescue him. And they initially refuse that, but Spock then relents and decides to go down to the base with Sulu and John. And And Spock says that he tells Sulu to get some phasers and set up a heavy stun just for, you know, Sulu and Spock. And John's like, what, you don't trust me? And Spock says that he does, but only to a certain point, which is, is really fair. Like, somebody should be a little wary about this guy that they just yeah. fucking kidnapped out of the sky. They beam down to the transporter room, and the guard that they had beamed up is just watching in the transporter room and this is where the engineer offers the guard some food and the guard's like yeah i want some some chicken soup so the engineer pulls a a little card out and puts it into a slot on the wall and a door opens up and there's chicken soup in there and which is awesome it it is amazing but then i'm like why the fuck do they keep eating colored shapes if they have this like they're just eating these terrible looking 
almost wooden looking think, blocks. Oh, the food cubes. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe the, maybe the few cube maybe the, the taste of it's different. Like maybe if you eat one, it tastes like a real grape or something. Maybe they just like really like milk. them. Maybe they taste amazing. I guess I hadn't considered that, but they just look really fucking bland. Yeah, they, they look like they, they taste really good, and then they, they give you whole meal at one time. So you got other stuff you got going on. Because honestly, one thing about us, think about it. The idea of eating is enjoyment. Yeah. You know, you, you enjoy the act of eating. Like they don't, they just throw the eat, eat whatever to and keep moving on. You don't see them really enjoy themselves. Yeah, the it's, more they it's more because they have to. It's more because they have to and they got to keep going. They got other stuff going on. Dude, I'd be eating so much of like the perfect steak if I had this technology. <laughs> I would just, I would just everything that I, 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 I would probably gain so much weight. Just, just so or much great food. Uh, oh, that's random. R- random thought. Imagine a world that you can have a complete meal in a pill, like it, it, like you that be a whole meal, like a whole. It'd be like the whole steak, all the energy you got, everything you need for the meal at a time, popping pills and move on. I, everything you need. I would for miss it. tasting food though. If the pill could give you the I, taste, then I'd be down for it. Because sometimes eating is just a hassle because of the time involved in prep and everything. But I would miss the taste of good food. Or, or you might miss the idea of eating itself, like actually putting the food on the thing and eating it. Like, right? It's the initial first take. Yeah, see, it's it's interesting. Random yeah. thought. Yeah. So, uh, back at the base, Spock and Sulu and John manage to knock out a guard, and then they get to where Kirk is being held, and Spock knocks out one guard with his Vulcan techniques, while Kirk takes out the Colonel. And Spock, he he goes up and he asks Kirk, and he's like, "Hey, you know." Don't you find that painful, like just punching people instead of doing the nerve pinch stuff? And Kirk's just like, "Yeah, I do," and that's that's it. <laughs> so he, yeah, he enjoys it. You know, I, he he clearly loves it. As he's rubbing his hand. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, that shit hurts," but I actually really like it. Which why doesn't Spock teach him some some Vulcan stuff? I don't know if we could do that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So Spock then goes to explore another room and. Uh, John actually takes a gun from the guard that they knocked out while everybody else is busy because Kirk and Sulu are, are getting ready to, to beam up. So when Kirk calls for them to get beamed up, John points a gun at him. He's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And then we get a commercial and we come back where Kirk is trying to persuade John to, you know, not point a gun at him. And John's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going with you guys. And he yells for Spock to come out of the back room where he went into, but Spock then shows up behind him and knocks him out with a nerve pinch. So I think it's implied here that maybe Spock got beamed up and then beamed back down behind him, maybe. Because I don't think there was another way out of that room. The the room he went into was almost like a closet. You know, I don't know. I, I guess that's what implied. I just I thought that maybe Spock just found a way and snuck behind him. Yeah. Because like, he, he thought logically that this was a, this was a likely, likely position to be in. And I don't remember hearing the the transporter sound, but I'd have to go back and and see if they snuck it in remember. there somewhere. Yeah, I don't remember him either. Yeah, so they beam back up to the Enterprise, and Kirk gives a captain's log explaining their need to get back to their own time. And then they're in a meeting room where they discuss the theory of how they're going to get back to their own time. And Spock explains to John that as they perform their slingshot maneuver, then they'll have to start by going backwards in time to before they got there, and then they can slingshot forward to their own time. But when they do manage to break free and shoot forward in time, John and the guard will be transported to before any of those events ever happened. So I guess their plan is, you know, they have to back up even more time, you know, and then 
basically like a rubber band where you pull the rubber band backwards, then when it shoots forward, they're going to have to pass this time again, and, and that's when they're going to yeah. drop these guys off. Um, I don't understand that, that theory itself. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going it's, with their, it's, it's, a, it's a theory they're using, so I'm going with it. I just found it it's, it's weird. It's like everything else. Yeah, it's it's weird. I've never heard that one be used again. I don't know if any other media or like movies or anything has have used that slingshot through time technique again, but I've, I've not heard of it. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Yeah, so uh, Kirk says that John and the guard aren't going to have to remember anything that happens because when they get dropped off, then what's going on now will not have happened. So again, the single timeline theory, which this yep. if they were branching, then it would be a, a much bigger problem. But nope, single timeline. So Scotty is worried about how much braking control they're going to have when they do shoot forward and says that if they stop too late, then they could pass their own time or they may stop too soon and get torn apart. And they decide to just go ahead and try it anyway, and they, they start prepping for that maneuver. On the bridge... They start their slingshot maneuver as John talks about how he wanted to go to space, but he didn't qualify for the program. And, and Kirk tells him to take a good look around because he made it there ahead of everyone else. And and that's actually, I think that's a pretty amazing addition because he is he's experienced something or experiencing something that no one in his time has experienced yet yeah, because the moon landing hasn't yeah. happened. Well, I mean, they they put people through in orbit or anything, but he is definitely far beyond orbit. But the thing that sucks is that he will not remember any of this. Which which is which kind of sucked too. Yeah, kind of a bittersweet thing. And he had, and what I like is that they give us a few shots of him just really enjoying it, just like soaking it all in. Like this is fucking amazing. I can't believe this is happening. So you know, I don't yeah. feel terrible for him, but you know, it does suck. But as the Enterprise approaches the sun, their speed increases, and they actually start going faster than warp eight. And Spock notes that the uh, chronometer is moving backwards, and Kirk tells John, "Hey." We're almost to your time, so you need to get your gear and go to the transporter to get ready. He makes a joke about something like, you know, you've only you've only got 20 years or some shit. I don't remember the time to get ready. So they approach their breakaway point and Spock starts their countdown and Kirk orders Sulu to begin the slingshot maneuver. And the ship just starts like lurching around as the, the lights start to go out. Uh, let's pause it for a second. So the same transporters that have a hard time locking onto you at our communicator... I'm not talking about through all these uh, things going on. Now can now can beam you at warp exponentially nine ten while moving in the right timeline through time, not just moving in the right time, time, moving through time, through time. Yeah, it's like yo, these transporters are amazingly awful when they don't need to be. <laughs> I just it's it's just it's so. It's so perplexed. Yeah. The whole idea of it is just, I don't even know. It's weird that they've been used as a plot device quite a few times with how restrictive they are, and now suddenly they can just do everything because the plot says so. Plot says so. Yeah, they do it randomly. Like, randomly, it's like, oh, we can't get through the shielding. The shielding is a big deal. Next thing we know, they, yeah, they, shielding, they go yeah. through shielding. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, they can't they can't figure out how good the transporter, how good it is. Right. How strong it is. It just up and down and started you know start I'm starting to become very uh noticeable now. Yeah, and that probably heavily depends on who's, you know, writing the episodes and directing them at this point. Yeah. So they start their slingshot maneuver and they're, you know, they're lurch- the ships lurching around and the lights go out and then they go to full power and, and slingshot around the sun and they start going faster than their ship can show now. So they they're going so fast that their speedometer is basically maxed out and the chronometer starts counting forward so they're moving forward through time again. Uh, Kirk calls the 
uh, transporter room to make sure that John is ready to go. And they exchange some goodbyes and, and get ready to transport John and, and the guard. They don't really mention him, but yeah, that other guy too. <laughs> He's got to go home as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the second guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so did they apparently. <laughs> so when the right time approaches, they transport John and the guard back to the point where they first saw the Enterprise. Well, John gets to go back there and then the, the guard you know, goes back to him his time and when John goes back, he reports to the base, you know, he, it's where he's in the airplane and he was tracking the Enterprise and he reports that he lost whatever he was tracking and then they just report it as just another UFO. So the, the, the whole thing never really happened. And then on the Enterprise, they send the guard back to Earth just before he catches Sulu and Kirk taking the computer record. So he opens up the door to the computer room and instead of seeing them there, there's just nobody there. So he's just like, all right, sweet. And he just leaves. The Enterprise continues their journey back to their own time and they start to apply their brakes. And Scotty warns that the pulling away from the sun weakened their brakes and that they might blow apart if they reverse. But Kirk's like, fuck it, I don't care. We're going to go ahead and do it anyway. And they just go ahead and do it anyway. And the ship starts to shake a little bit. And then suddenly it starts shaking really, really violently. It just throws everybody on the ground, which I really liked this scene. It's so weird seeing, not weird, it's it's satisfying seeing everybody moving uh, you know, pretending to fall in the same direction. Like everybody's just, yeah. like, it's, it's very coordinated and for some reason to me. It's, it's very satisfying knowing that they're not just moving this whole stage around. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. So, uh, Scotty calls the bridge to warn them about the engines buckling. Uh, and he, he it's, it's a, such a weird thing because he calls the bridge and he doesn't get an answer. And then he yells for them again and he doesn't get an answer again. And then the ship just corrects itself and everything's fine. And Kirk is like, oh, yeah, we must still have Scotty down there. But I thought that something crazy, like something was going to maybe blow up or something and maybe we were going to lose Scotty. But they, they started building towards something that just never happened in that in that yeah, moment. Yeah. It was really, really kind weird. Of a, kind of a waste of a time. Yeah. So they get a, a call from Star, uh, Starfleet Control. Um asking them to record their arrival and Kirk records their arrival and the ship calls him dear again. And then Kirk just, you know, he smiles and, and that's the end of it. It's really, really, really kind of anticlimactic. The, um, I think the end when the whole, uh, they added the end of them have, uh, went about blowing up when they're stopping yeah. for no reason. Yeah. It was really weird. Because they, because they could have been like, Oh yeah, our engines are weak. It's not, it's going to be, when we slow, it's, when we stop, it's going to be jarring or it's going to have been bad or something, but they, they made it, they built it up to something and it was nothing. Yeah. Like, well, everything gets really dramatic and there's all this dramatic tension. And then Scotty, it starts mm -hmm. like yelling. He's like, guys, like yeah, shit is going wrong. Like something's really bad. Yeah. is about to happen. And then they just drop it. It was, I don't know if they, yeah. if they cut something or, you know, just decided maybe they did fucking kill him off to begin with. And then they were like, no, we, we, we actually need that guy. And they decided not yeah. to use it. I don't know, but yeah, it was a, it was a really weird one. Yeah. But, uh, I, I did enjoy this episode. Uh, I really like seeing again. I for, for some reason I just I love Sulu. He's just he's good at everything, and he never he doesn't complain. He rarely does anything wrong, and when he does, it's like not his fault. He's on some you know, either he's had a crazy virus infect him, or he's on a weird you know planet that he doesn't know that is making his wildest dreams come true, which is just holding or shooting a gun apparently. But again, and we talked about this before. He and Spock go on this mission and they still don't interact with each other. They have no dialogue aside from Spock telling Sulu to get the phasers ready. That is it. They do this entire sneaking rescue mission and they still don't interact with each other. 
And it's so fucking no, weird. You know what? I didn't think about that until you said it again. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> they're hanging out and they're just not talking. And the other okay. thing that I thought about this was like the comedy was really weird. Kirk's sarcasm was off. The entire episode felt off. And I feel like it was missing something. I, I don't know what it what it could have been missing, but I just feel like it was missing something. I feel like if you had removed the weird sarcasm and the comedy, you would have a very serious episode that I would have enjoyed more. And that's not to say that I didn't like this, but I think that sticking to the seriousness would have been the right play. I think the comedy stuff was unnecessary and actually kind of detracted from the episode. But I don't know. Overall, I liked it. We also have two methods of time travel now, so we better fucking get some kind of time travel because now they have the slingshot maneuver and then whatever the hell they did in the naked time. So we better get some damn time travel. And that's it. That's it. That's it for me. I liked it. Could have been better. Was, wasn't terrible. I wish it would have been more serious and they would have cut the comedy stuff because other, if it was all serious, it was a really, really good episode. Yeah, um, I agree with you on the seriousness part. I didn't keep, I don't have that notes down about my feelings, so I kind of just had to go with what I'm thinking about. But like, um, I think if this was more dramatic, this would have been an amazing episode. They, they could have been a, a big tension between them trying to get the information from them and, and trying to figure things out and built that up and made like a really big deal. And like, but even like, even adding the second person they transported, I felt like it was a waste of time. Like they, they, they did a lot of sh- things in here that was very awkward and a waste of time. The jokes, awkward, waste of time. The, the comedy, awkward. The, it was so awkward and weird. I did have a thought though while this was going on. Um, why can't the ship run off solar power? Yeah, because they're always out there. Like, there has to be a s- sunlight reaching them in space pretty much everywhere, right? Uh, okay, then I thought about this. Did the idea of solar power exist in the 1960s uh, when uh, this show came out? Okay, yeah, they, they, nobody... I, I, well, like, I, they might not have I'm, even I'm thought curious. that. Yeah, I'm not it, probably even thought about that, so now I'm curious. So I don't yeah, that's why I understand why more, uh, more of these ships don't run off solar power and you're close to the sun. You just did a, a, a fly by right by the sun. You can be overloaded or over 150 energy capacity, whatever it was, and moved on. I'm just, okay. that, that's curious. So apparently solar panels were first uh, invented by Charles Fritz in 1883. Okay. So they know about solar panels then. Okay. They got no excuses. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess the idea of using the, the sun as a power source should be more, more uh, bigger, uh, bigger in this kind of uh, place. But yeah. So overall, let's say I like the episode. Like I said, I'm just really critiqued about just the comedy was awkward and stuff like that. But I just feel like this episode was about a about a six maybe, and that's me just saying I like it. It was a six. Honestly, I feel like it could have been a nine or ten if it was better edited. It yes. And better better edited, it could have been a nine or ten. It could be one of the episodes you talk about forever. Because it's it's such good um, content, it's, it's such a good a good content idea. They just wasted a lot of time. Yeah, they couldn't decide on the the tone of the the episode, which yeah. is really what threw yeah, me yeah. off. I agree. So we got a little bit of time to get into some uh, light trivia here, because here's one that is really interesting to me. And according to IMDb, this is one of the rare occasions in which it can be be seen that the middle finger on actor James Doohan, which is Scotty, uh, the middle finger on his right hand is actually missing, that he takes great pains to conceal its absence during the series. Uh, But there's a scene here where he's leaning on the hand and only three of his fingers are visible. And I did not notice he was missing a finger, so he's obviously done a really good job. 
I would never even lose at his hand. Yeah. Or I would have or, or thought it was part of the show. I, I would have I would have thought they said he blew his hand off while doing some interaction thing. Yeah. Being, I, I assume that's what it would have been. I wouldn't even thought about it being him for real. So, also in the beginning of this, when they intercepted the radio broadcast about the moon landing, that actually happened almost two years after the filming of this episode, which is pretty crazy. Oh. First moon landing. That's so, interesting. Yeah, so they predicted it uh, pretty pretty well there. They uh, the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they they eventually go on to predict the Simpsons? That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. <laughs> Some yellow aliens. Yellow, yellow aliens with a point of hair. Yeah. Spot goes into Kirk's quarters. He's like, what are you doing, Captain? And Kirk's like, oh, I'm watching this funny cartoon about this yellow family here. This yellow alien family with spikes on the head. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That'd be funny. So, apparently also, Roger Perry, which is the guy that played John Christopher liked his Starfleet uniform so much that he asked DeForest Kelly, who is Bones, if he could take the shirt home. And DeForest Kelly said, well, they frown upon that, but you could possibly just stick it in your bag and nobody's going to say anything. And uh, Roger Perry decided not to steal the uniform, but after seeing the eventual success and uh, the legacy of Star Trek, he regretted that he didn't steal it. Yeah, <laughs> so so is, that, is not, not that I'm advocating here because I'm not, but I guess the lesson is if you feel like you should steal something, steal it. <laughs> I do not condone okay. stealing. <laughs> you only live once. Yeah. And this is also not the last time we would see the slingshot time travel maneuver. So that's good to know. They okay. they do apparently cool. do that again. Okay, here's another good one. This episode was originally going to be the second part of a two-part story that would have begun in Star Trek The Naked Time. In an earlier draft of the script, when Kirk ordered a hyperbolic course, he wanted the direction to be doesn't matter the way we came toward Earth. And then apparently, when they did their naked time thing, this is where they would have ended up. That would have been an ent- oh, I, I, that would have been a better a better episode, I think. Uh, probably because I'm trying to figure out which one the naked time was. The naked time was the one when they went down to the planet. Uh, dipshit takes his protective gear off, and they get a virus, and. It makes everybody act really crazy. Sulu does the sword thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and they yeah, fix that okay. by time travel. They they travel backwards in time to before it happened. Oh, so that's the one we we're talking about earlier. So if they if they had time travel, they would have ended on this episode. Oh, that would yeah, be awesome. Because Kirk tells them when when they uh, fix the whole they they set their hyperbolic course to fix the whole virus thing and go back in time to before it happened. Um, he was apparently going to say it doesn't matter what direction they go in as long as they head towards Earth. And then they head towards Earth, but they end up going too far and end up in this timeline or oh, this this time period. Been, oh, see, they ruined the episode. They shouldn't even brought that up because now I'm upset. Yeah. Now I'm upset those two aren't together because that would have been a great idea. Yep. Oh, man. That's a good idea. Yeah. So uh, apparently also, uh, I'm probably going to butcher her first name, but Magil Barrett is the one that did the ship's computer voice in this and and so she's been in this she was actually the original number one she was number one in the the pilot episode with pike oh okay and she also plays uh the nurse that has the feelings for spock oh yeah so she has a couple of different roles she also did uh the ship's computer voice here apparently she was also born born in cleveland so you know, another Ohioan. That's how we do. Yeah. So 
that is, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it. I don't want to go through everything it says on here because there's a lot of trivia and I just like to hit a, a couple of them. But uh, yeah, that's that's going to be it for me for this one. We'll we'll call it there. Uh, next episode is going to be season one, episode twenty, court martial. Paul, what's the uh, oh yeah, and what's uh, the synopsis and for the that synopsis one? says it says, says Captain Kirk's career is at stake when he's put on trial for the loss of a crewman during an ion storm. Oh, Eon Storm, Ion Storm. So obviously, uh, this is going to be awesome. This will be the first episode we'll be able to see how the court system works uh, in the future. I'm already fucking dying because he's he's lost 46 people so far. <laughs> Why is he getting arrested for this one? <laughs> I, I don't know. Apparently this guy was somebody important, apparently. Yeah. There's other 46 people? Ah, that motherfucker. We liked him. Yeah. That's the president's Jeez. son. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> you know somebody? Know somebody? Know somebody? Like, oh no! Oh god! All right. Well, I, my biggest thing about the whole episode, I'm interested to see the court system. I'm really, I really want to see how that works. Yeah, not just like their their little court martial on the ship that they did to Spock. Yeah, assume it's something different. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us on this one. Uh, as always. We're on Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. Gmail is WWSTpod at gmail.com. And we are wherever you find your favorite podcast. So, Paul, if you don't have anything else, then that is going to be it for this episode. Laters. Wow, it's really weird not having Dan here for that. But all right, you can stop whatever you want. (laughs) 